0: That's heritageradionetwork.org/15 to donate and enter to win today, and make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you.
1: Today's program is brought to you by Firesider, a health tonic based on the traditional New England cure-all of raw apple cider vinegar and honey. For more information, visit firesider.com. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for
0: thousands more.
2: Let's get real. The cooking show about finding, preparing, and eating food on Heritage Radio Network with me, Erica Whites, your host. And as I'm sure that I've said many, many times before, like everything else I say to you many, many, many times before. After all, we've been together a long time. But as I've said, I am a tea drinker. I've got a big cup of tea right here with me right now. Finally cooled off in New York, so there you go. I love my cuppa. I love my tea a few times a day. I've got to have it. i got to have the cuppa. But you guys know that, right? I mean, I'm sure I've talked about that before. I mean, seriously, is there anything at all about my food likes, dislikes, preferences that you don't know about me at this point? Really? After 142 shows? Haven't I said it all? Probably. I doubt there's any mystery left between us. We've all been together a long time, but that's okay. Our relationship grows deeper that way. But you know, I wasn't always a tea drinker. Oh no, not always a tea drinker. I've gone through coffee phases in my life too, during my four odd decades, pushing five odd decades on this somewhat greenish planet. My mom is a big coffee drinker. She was, well, she was the first coffee drinker I knew, but she was also the first iced coffee drinker. I ever knew because believe it or not way back when you couldn't buy iced coffee everywhere you went it was something you made at home and in the summer she had this big tall glass like beer mug and she used to make herself iced coffee and she was the only person i knew who did that but but she drank you know she drank like Chuck full of nuts or uban coffee because that's what you could get back then And. Actually, later on, after spending some time in Europe, she came home and and she switched to Cafe Bustello because it was stronger and darker and tasted more like what she had had there. Um, and I think also, you know, as you get older, your palate gets a little bit dulled and you seek out stronger flavors. I don't think that that's actually true. That's been proven. So you streaks, so you seek out more intense flavor experiences as you get older. And I I think that's what went on with her. But but anyway, and. So because of her, I drank coffee, but I kind of switched back and forth between coffee and tea. My, you know, whole kind of growing up life. And eventually, the balance beam settled on the leaves, not the beans. The leaves won. The tea has won out for me. Because for a long time, it was easier to get a decent cup of tea somewhere. I mean, it was like Lipton, but at least you knew what you were getting out there. Then coffee because, you know, up until the explosion of coffee the last few years, up until the explosion of the obnoxiously precious, overpriced, self-indulgent to the point of masturbatory craft coffee bars that have started springing up like whiteheads on a teenager's face around here, before those guys... And before the world dominance of Starbucks and Pete's and the coffee bean and tea leaf, and before New World Coffee and Gregory's Coffee and Phillips and all those other chains long since swallowed up by the Green Mermaid. Before then, I drank many, many cups of cheap diner coffee in cheap diners and coffee shops in college and high school, beyond that. And many cups from the New York City street cart vendors who were still around, Who sell their like squishy fluff bagels and their bacon, egg and cheese sandwiches for $2 or I don't know if they're $2 anymore on those fluffy, puffy Kaiser rolls. I drank their coffee, too, for a long time. And from the corner bodegas and the delis that used to be a fixture on every New York City corner block but are now all juice stores and TD banks. I drank their coffee, too. But not anymore. I've lost my taste for it. I don't like just regular old coffee. I can't drink it. I don't enjoy it. It always smells better than it tastes. I'll drink it iced in the summer, but no. It's all about tea for me now. And also, my caffeine threshold seems to have kind of dropped. I can drink three cups of tea a day, but tea gives a different buzz. I don't know if anybody else has ever experienced this, but I once read that there's... Caffeine in both, but it's a different kind of caffeine. And that tea has head caffeine and coffee has heart caffeine. So tea makes you kind of sharp and alert and focused. And coffee makes you like jittery and pumped up. And in my case, feel like your head's going to explode. So it's a different kind of buzz. No palpitations, no clenched jaw stress. Just like a good solid lift of energy to get me through the day. And then another one to get me through a sleepy, rainy afternoon like today. Because it's tea. It's what's for breakfast. Now, I, as a chef and as a food professional and as a resident of this borough, this brand of a borough, I I can appreciate the craft and the dedication of the creatively bearded, suspended, unsmiling, sanctimonious, self-involved guys who spend seven minutes pouring six ounces of hot water over a hand-wrought copper basket lined with a hand-blown glass beaker and lined with a hand-knit wool filter to create the $7 six-ounce cup that he then hands off to an even more douchebaggy-filled sucker who's willing to pay for it. I guess I can appreciate that, the craft and the dedication behind that. Sort of. I mean, I suppose in a absurdist, what-the-hell-have-we-come-to, maybe, kind of way, I guess. Sort of. Not, not really. No, I can't. It's just stupid. Jack's giving me the big thumbs up. He agrees.
1: I'm the sucker that pays for it. No. Really? Not always. I'm I'm starting to do that less. I just get drip coffee now.
2: Well, that's okay. Okay. Now, when I went to Europe the first time, way, way back in my junior year of high school in 1984, go ahead, do the math. I don't care. That dollar was still really strong. Okay, There was a time when the dollar was almighty in the post-war years during the Cold War and Travel to Europe was affordable, even for my single parent mom, who was raising me on her meager salary. She saved up, I think she used her tax refund every year. Anyway, and we went to Europe. We went to visit my uncle. My sister was studying in Germany one semester, and my uncle was living in Germany, And we went to visit them. Now, my uncle, let me explain, because you're probably like, wait a minute, you're American and you're Jews. Why do you have an uncle in Germany? Why would you have any living relatives in Germany when they've all been annihilated? Well, yes and no. He's an American and he was actually born in Germany when my mom and her family were escaping. But he got an offer he couldn't refuse from the U.S. government to teach elementary school to the army kids stationed on the bases throughout Europe in the 1970s and they were paying them exceptionally well in dollars. So he he and my aunt packed up and went back to Europe and taught in Germany. He actually still lives there. I haven't seen him in years. But anyway, so that's why he was there because, you know, the Cold War. Oh, what a good time it was. I miss that era. It was good for everyone, really. Except the East Germans. Now, after we spent about a week in Germany, and then a few days in Amsterdam. We got into his car and we drove down to Italy. I had never been to Italy before. Oh, there's the music.
0: <laughs> Thanks. <laughs>
2: Thanks. Jack. Yeah, so we went to Italy. That is what
1: Italy sounds like, right?
2: Yeah, uh-huh, totally. In the car. And it was there in Italy that I first. Okay, that's. Perfect. It was there in Italy that I first had a cappuccino. I had my first cappuccino experience in Italy. And I suddenly entered this realm of possibility that this other coffee universe could present because I had never had anything, you know, like a cappuccino up until then. And there were no espresso bars in America, believe it or not, in the 80s. Well, probably like in Seattle, but not here. So I tasted this thing, this cappuccino, and it was amazing. It was foamy and dark and rich and had like bitterness and sweetness. And it was, you know, who had ever drunk cappuccino when they were a high school junior in the 80s, right? And I got hooked. I was hooked on the cap. I mean, all throughout Italy on that trip, I was drinking cappuccinos right and left. But as I was quickly admonished after trying to order one in the afternoon one day, you don't drink a cappuccino anytime after breakfast in Italy. Because that, that's how they sound, right? You don't drink cappuccino during the day. In Italy, you probably all know this, even though you know, we do it here. Because milk is a morning item for Italians. If you're not a child, you only drink milk in the morning. And once you drink it in the morning, that's it. You're done, cut off. Some biological process kicks in and your body rejects You cannot ingest milk throughout the day. That's just it. Unless, of course, you're an American, then they'll just roll their eyes and serve it to you anyway because you know they want your butt your money or at least that's how it was back in the 80s when tradition still ruled and cultures were still respected and worth saving and a mere 40 years may i quickly remind you a mere 40 years after we saved the italians from becoming german speakers i just want to point that out thank you you're welcome oh Yes, you'd be speaking German now in Italy, so you're welcome. Now, I know at the time you guys weren't really cool with it, but do you see how well it all worked out for you now? You see that? Allies, Axis, who got the better deal? Okay, no need to thank us, but yeah, okay. Okay, prego, prego, you're, you're very welcome. Our pleasure. So don't roll your eyes at us if we're ordering the cappuccino in the afternoon, okay? Because you could be speaking Deutsch right now. And now 30 years after that, after my historic visit to your beautiful country, 70 years after the war, 30 years after tasting my first cappuccino, my first real spaghetti alla vongole, my first grilled octopus, my first taste of Italy. As we are presenting you our second enormous gift to you after saving your asses from your own worst ally, because they were your ally. We are now presenting to you, Italy, our very own pride of America. The green mermaid herself, Starbucks, has slithered her way across the Atlantic and flopped her floppy green tail and topless body onto the rocky shores of the land of Dante and Dr. Ely of Ely Espresso. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, there's no need to thank us for this one either. We're just here to spread our cultural imperialism through capitalism. It's what we do. Just like the Venetians of Marco Polo's day did for you guys. Spread it around the world. And I bet that those Italians in Italy, upon encountering that first Starbucks that has opened, just like when the first McDonald's opened in Rome, which prompted the slow food movement, But I bet those Italians just can't get enough of their venti soy, three splenda, cotton candy, gingerbread, salted caramel, red velvet frappuccino deliciousness like we couldn't when we first encountered it. I mean, what could be better? Picture this just in your mind. Picture what could be better? What could be more Italian, more La Dolce Vita than savoring a 40 ounce sweetened, flavored and colored coffee beverage By the newly refurbished Trevi Fountain, the most famous fountain from the film La Dolce Vita, standing there with your 40-ounce Frappuccino in your hand, finishing it, and then following the classic tradition of the fountain by taking the plastic sippy top off and throwing it into the fountain and making a wish on it. What could be better than that or more Italian? I bet the Trevi Fountain is filled with plastic sippy tops now and people's wishes are coming true it's so awesome it's just like in the movie now don't thank us yet again no thanks necessary i mean you guys you invented the cappuccino we just made it so much better by enlarging it which is what we do best and flavoring it which is what we do even better we should be thanking you italy for that grazie mille italia grazie mille Oh, con piacere, America, con piacere. It's our pleasure. Oh, no, oh, no. Let us thank you. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back.
1: Today's program was brought to you by Firesider. Did your grandmother ever tell you to drink raw apple cider vinegar? It's good advice and more common than you may think. For generations of New Englanders, a tot of vinegar was a morning ritual. Taken daily, a tablespoon of unfiltered apple cider vinegar can help support immune function and digestive functions. To the base of certified organic apple cider vinegar, fire cider added whole raw certified organic oranges, lemons, onions, ginger, horseradish, habanero pepper, garlic, and turmeric. They let this mixture steep for six weeks at room temperature to preserve the living vinegar culture and delicate flavors of the ingredients. Lastly, they blend a generous helping of raw wildflower honey into the mix. The result is potent but balanced, offering layers of sweet, tart, and spice. Firesider cider tastes great on its own or as an addition to tea juice or salad fire cider ships direct from their online store and is available at over 500 locations nationwide use their store locator to find one near you and ask for a free sample for more information visit firesider.com
2: wow fire cider sounds like everything i eat amazing i bought some of that once actually at the market it's still in my fridge i forgot all about it i'll have to drink it now Anyway, welcome back to Let's Get Real, the cooking show about finding, preparing, and food on Heritage Radio Network uh, with me, your host, Sarah Weitz. Now, back to my trip. That Remember the trip to Italy? Now, after returning from Italy that spring and heading off to college in Manhattan the following year, I found in New York that there were places in the city, downtown, that served the cappuccino and espresso and all of those coffee drinks that I had discovered in Italy pre-starbucks now these were not coffee chains these were little old charming italian cafes mostly in what was formerly known as the village and is now just nyu these little cafes that had been around for at that point a hundred years cafe reggio cafe dante cafe figaro they all used to be there they're all gone now now they're like cbs and juice land The same places that my beatnik father had actually frequented 40 years prior when he, too, was a student in New York City in his black turtlenecks, which I was then wearing because we're the same size. And those cafes at the time were full of smoking, brooding art students and smoking shriveled old Italian men and smoking tourists and smoking everybody. But and this is what kills me, but it was in the late 80s. So you still could smoke but the fat phobia of the following three decades to come was just beginning to grind up to full gear and i stupidly buying into that wouldn't drink the cappuccino because they were made with whole milk and in the pre-starbucks coffee bar era nobody stocked any other milk for coffee yet it was just milk do you want milk No, I do not want milk. Do you have skim? No, we do not. We just have milk or cream. If you were in a diner, it would be cream or creamer, creamer in a jar full of dry powder that was kept in the coffee room at your office. Luckily, I didn't work in an office. And believe me, it was just plain creamer flavored creamer back then too. The creamer was only flavored like creamer back then. I know, yes, I know, really. It's hard to believe, but it was a long time ago. No, I'm telling you, there were no flavors of creamers back then. Really. And no choice of soy or almond or skim or 2% either. Okay? Really. Can I continue, please? Okay. Thanks. So, what to do? I couldn't possibly drink the evil whole milk, having been scared shitless and indoctrinated that it would kill me. I couldn't drink straight espresso because it was too strong and also too small okay i'm still an american cosmopolitan as i may be i want some quantity who wants two little sips of coffee right in that little tiny cup i mean you should see the size of the mug that i use in the morning for my tea you could use it to bail yourself out in a sinking ship and survive with that thing so while out one night with a friend at one of these places she orders an espresso macchiato What's that? I asked. Macchiato. It's an espresso, she said, but with just a dab of steamed milk foam added to it. Huh. It softens the edges of the espresso, gives it some sweetness, and makes it a little bit fuller. Bigger. Huh, I thought. Macchiato. Hmm. Macchiato means stained in Italian, because the espresso gets stained by the milk. Now, it's the opposite drink, of a latte macchiato, which is steamed milk with a dab of espresso, the opposite ratio, which is often given to children in order to indoctrinate them into the art of coffee drinking. It's the starter drug, the gateway. My sister, who as a child was allergic to chocolate and practically everything else on the planet. Couldn't join me every morning in our tall glasses of cold milk mixed with Nestle's Quick instantly dissolving chocolate milk powder, which I used to drink, and also the strawberry quick, which I used to drink, which I can still smell in my head. And was used as a bribe, basically, to get us to drink milk, and which I can't ever even think about how much sugar was in that, and that we consume that every morning. But instead of the chocolate Nestle's Quick, my sister was given milk with coffee syrup, sweetened coffee syrup. I don't even know where we got it, but coffee milk syrup mixed into her milk, which she would happily drink and which she now believes led to her incurable caffeine addiction. Actually, she thinks her incurable caffeine addiction is because our mom drank coffee all throughout her pregnancy, which is what women did back then. They smoked and drank and drank coffee. And that my sister was born addicted caffeine. Now, I totally believe it. I mean, you can be born addicted to heroin. You can be born addicted to meth. So why not be born addicted to coffee, right? I mean, who knows? I wonder if children of women who smoked while they were pregnant are more likely to be smokers themselves. Hmm. Let's call the research department find out. Now, my sister... Who knew it was basically drinking the 1970s American version of the latte macchiato as opposed to the espresso macchiato. So sophisticated. Who knew? Who knew we were so sophisticated in our house? So anyway, thanks to my college pal, Ivan, I discovered the macchiato, the perfect solution. I'd get a macchiato. It would soften the blow of the espresso. Ease me into it. But then I stopped drinking them, though, after like a year or so because my caffeine tolerance started to change and I wasn't getting any sleep. And anyway, I had no money to spend on fancy, tiny coffee. So it was back to the 50-cent cart coffee, guys, and then eventually to the big, giant cup of tea, which really ultimately is, for me, much better. Now, fast forward 30 years. There's a lot of 30-year jumps. Are you still with me, 30 years here? And imagine my surprise. Imagine my surprise. Just imagine when everyone's favorite middle to low brow coffee chain, not the mermaid, the other one, the pink and orange one, announces recently a new product in their coffee lineup, in their espresso based coffee drink lineup. Not Starbucks, of course, but Dunkin' Donuts of cookie dough filled donut fame and raw brownie batter filled donut fame. You know Dunkin' Donuts, the chain I love to hate on. I love all their disgusting iterations of a once very simple, round, occasional baked treat. Dunkin' Donuts has introduced America to the macchiato, or what they're calling the macchiato. And they're advertising it shown in a glass, like a glass glass, like a tall glass that looks sort of like a pint glass. Which in Italy, if you offer a ca- order a cafe latte, comes in a small what looks like a juice glass to us. That's how you get your latte there. So Dunkin' Donuts is running all these ads, and they have these giant posters up around New York of their macchiato, and it's in this big, tall glass. And I'm thinking... Wait a minute, a glass? Where's the glass? Do you stand? Is it like being in Rome? Do you stand inside the Dunkin' Donuts at a little, like, raised counter, like a little bar, smoking and drinking your macchiato out of this glass, and then you just leave it behind? Like, you don't take it with you? Or do you take the glass with you, and you carefully set it into the cup holder in your Chevy Suburban, and then later in the day drive back around through the drive-thru and return the glass or something? I don't know. I'm totally confused about that. So here's Dunkin' Donuts trying to up their fancy, sweetened, flavored coffee game yet again. Take it to a whole new level. As if the Dunkachino and the culatte aren't enough. Brilliant, as they may be. The Dunkin' Donuts Macchiato. But it isn't a true macchiato. It's a tall cup, or glass, as they seem to want us to believe, filled halfway with steamed milk and halfway with sweetened espresso, or as most of America calls it, espresso. So how is that different from their lattes? Isn't a latte basically the same exact thing? Well, I don't know, okay? Except that they're not actually selling just the macchiato. Oh no, that would be too simple. That would be like just selling coffee creamer or, or just selling hummus. Neither of which could ever be consumed here in America in their plain original unflavored state because that's just like not done. It has to be a flavor, No, this is not just the macchiato. This is the snickerdoodle flavored macchiato. Snickerdoodle. Snickerdoodle macchiato. Snickerdoodle macchiato. Jumbo shrimp. Uma Oprah. Contra diction. We get this snickerdoodle and macchiato are two words that should never ever appear in the same sentence or name or anywhere ever. There's two words that don't belong together. One of these things just doesn't belong here. Can you tell me which one it is? The snickerdoodle, if you're unfamiliar with that, is a cookie. Okay, it's a classic American sugar cookie made from a simple dough of creamed butter and sugar you cream the butter and the sugar you throw in an egg or two you add some flour a little vanilla salt it's your basic Christmas cookie dough that you roll out cut into little shapes decorate but you take this dough instead you roll it into little balls you roll those in a mixture of cinnamon and sugar more sugar flatten them out and bake them there's your snickerdoodle fine I have nothing wrong with that I have no idea about the name or the origin of the Snickerdoodle, by the way, because the research department went out to lunch, and they didn't do it for me this week, but it doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. The point here is that the Snickerdoodle, even its name alone, is the most Middle American, Marge from Fargo, flat-accented cookie, which, while delicious and serving a purpose and holds a place in the cookie pantheon, should not be associated with, let alone be added as a flavor to a classic coffee drink from italy just saying the only thing worse would maybe be like a red velvet cake macchiato okay what oh the research department said that they were just out on a break having red velvet macchiatos oh but it was for breakfast so it's okay they had oh okay full of milk just for, fine as long as you didn't have it this afternoon okay stay classy research And in the pantheon of flavored sweetened coffee concoctions from Dunkin' Donuts, the odd thing with this one is that they tend to flavor those drinks with flavors from things that are already pre-made or pre-packaged, like the Oreo or the Chips Ahoy or the Girl Scout cookie flavor, right? Those are already sort of pre-made industrial things. Ironically, Snickerdoodles are almost always a home-baked cookie, not a packaged one. As far as I know, there aren't. Maybe there are commercial snickerdoodles. But to me, they're like a homemade cookie. Or at least you buy the dough and roll it in sugar yourself. Because, you know, that's baking. But who knows? Maybe there's a snickerdoodle-flavored Oreo out there. I have no idea. The mind reels. I mean, I could go on ranting about this one forever. But what's the point? I I can't fight it. So I give up on that one. But while we're on the subject, Dunkin' Donuts also has, to complement the snickerdoodle macchiato, they've also introduced its... Food pairing because appropriate food pairings with drinks, you know, is important. So, to complement the snickerdoodle macchiato, they've introduced the snickerdoodle version of their croissant, their croissant donut. Wait, what? Wait a second. They took the basic croissant, turned it into a donut. Okay, like the cronut. I get that. The snickerdoodle version of their croissant donut. Now, this monster, okay, this is what it is it's a glazed croissant donut base all right so you take puff pastry you form it into a donut shape you deep fry it then you glaze it that's your donut base then it's filled with cookie dough flavored buttercream, c r e m e, t-r-e-m-e drizzled with white icing and then has a cinnamon streusel crumble on top of it I'm, my teeth hurt just thinking about this i don't even know how to break that one down where to start where to begin so i'm not going to i'm running out of time so i give up but before we go What's in a Snickerdoodle Macchiato? Do they have someone's grandma in the back rolling out the cookies by hand, pressing them onto her well-aged cookie sheets, baking them off fresh, and then crumbling them into pots of freshly brewed espresso? Um, Yeah, sure. Okay. That's exactly how it's done. Oh, but then she just adds a little bit of the syrup to it. The syrup just contains a few fresh key ingredients like milk and freshly brewed espresso. Oh, that's good. And sweetened condensed milk and sugar and high fructose corn syrup. Water, brown sugar, natural artificial flavors, potassium sorbate and salt. That's all. Viva Italia! Ciao bella! Bellissimo! Delicioso! Oh, and... By the way, a small snickerdoodle macchiato, which is 10 ounces, has 31 grams of sugar per cup, FYI. You're welcome. Basically what a can of Coke has or two Krispy Kreme donuts. Now, when you buy your snickerdoodle macchiato this fall at Dunkin' Donuts, please remember to grab your complimentary insulin syringe on your way out, and don't forget to use your bonus rewards card. Ciao. Buona sera. And remember, as always, if you don't want to mangiare la mierda, keep listening. So let's get real. The cooking show about finding, preparing, needing food. Thanks to Jack Insling the Booth, as always, and we'll see you next week.
1: Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org.